10,000 people. I actually looked it up on the internet. Uh, according to the last census data, uh, in Secret Harbor, Golden Bay, and Singleton, 2006, so a few years back, there are 10,000 people living. Ten thousand people who don't have a personal connection with our God and our Saviour, Lord Jesus Christ. Ten thousand neighbours and friends and colleagues and people we meet at the checkout counter in Woolworths. From where I stand here, there are three schools virtually in spitting distance and They're talking of building another one in Golden Bay. Oh, and there's a high school as well. All of those kids and their families and how many of them have had the mystery of Christ proclaimed to them. I mean, the good news that that in Him is freedom and life and hope and purpose. This morning we're, we're finishing our series uh, in the book of Colossians, it's taken us just over two months and, and it's an exciting letter. I, I love reading this letter because Paul has well, he's reminded us who we are in Jesus. He, he's pointed out to us just again and again and again what a brilliant treasure it is to know Jesus and to have Him in us. He, he's, he's called us in the last few weeks to, to live our new life of freedom, to not be shackled by, by human rules and traditions. And I think that, that once Paul has said all of that, the question is, how can that good news, that is so good for us, how can that gospel not spread throughout the world like a wildfire, like, like an unstoppable force, I mean, if you think back to how Paul began his letter to the Colossian church, he, he, he said in, in chapter 1-6, it's not, it's not like a fire, but it's like an unstoppable plant that is spreading throughout the world. Um, chapter 1, verse 6, uh, Paul wrote, All over the world this gospel is, is bearing fruit and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. such good news. And Paul describing his day says the good news is spreading. But the question for us today, and I believe the question for the Colossian church when they first got this letter, the question is how can a group of believers, everyday ordinary Christians like us, How can we have a gospel impact in our suburbs? The Colossian church was a new church. It was a small church just like us. How can we reach to the tens of thousands around us? To a world, to a country that doesn't know Jesus. You know, I think that's That's the question that Paul is out to answer in this letter. 
That's the question that Paul answers, especially in the bit of uh, Scripture that we're reading this morning. I mean, this is the high point of what Paul has to say. This is, this is the climax of his letter to us. It says, Paul, devote yourselves to prayer. Pray for the gospel to spread. And take every single opportunity you can to tell others the good news about Jesus. And you probably know by now that I'm, I'm a big fan of prayer. I just think it's the best thing going. Um, prayer and scripture reading, brilliant. But you know, I think what Paul says to us in this passage is that growing the church, spreading the gospel, all begins with prayer. I mean, he began his letter to the Colossians to us by, by, by Paul saying, do you know how much I've been praying for you guys? And he finishes his letter and he says, I want you guys to pray. I want, to pray. I want you to pray, verse 2, for your own situation. I want you to pray, verse 3, for missionaries who are far away. I want you to pray, verse 4, for missionaries who are connected to your church like me, said Paul. And, and that is an incredible amount of Paul, uh, of Paul, of prayer that Paul asks us for. And I think that's why he tells us in verse 2 that we need to be devoted to prayer. We, we need to be totally 112% committed to praying for the gospel to spread. And Paul, I think, says to us we need to pray earnestly. We need to pray Persistently, that, that's what devoted prayer is all about. It's, it's, it's dedicating our lives, our praying, to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If I may mix metaphors, if the gospel is a plant spreading throughout the world, then prayer is like throwing fertilizer over the top. Watch it grow. You know, it does remind me of, of the picture we get in Acts chapter 2 of the early church. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42. A very well-known passage. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 tells us that uh, the believers devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the result, says verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, there was a church dead set keen on knowing God better. Dead set keen on praying for God's kingdom to come. I'm sure their prayers were, were of the form, Lord, would you save my neighbor and my friend and my brother and my sister? I'm sure they would be praying for God to, to open doors into hearts and lives. And says verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, God answered. The church grew. Amazing things happened. And, and I reckon when we come here to Colossians chapter, two, chapter 4, verse 2, we've, we've got the same picture of, of God answering our prayers when we pray. Says Paul, verse 2, 
um, we need to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We need to pray and then we need to watch and see what God does. And when we see what God does, thank Him. I did watch a little bit of the um, patheticness on TV yesterday. Um, no comments. I'm not a Dockers supporter. But imagine, you're out in the field and you're a, an average Dockers player and you're calling for the ball. And you're passionate. No, pass it to me! I'm open! Come on! And you're excited and you're enthusiastic and you, you're calling and you're calling and you're calling. And then you pull out your iPad or your iPhone and you start checking your email, browsing the internet, sending a few text messages, getting on with your life and, and plop falls the ball in front of you. You know, I sometimes wonder whether we, we can't pray without being watchful. And when we don't stop to see God answering our prayers, we don't thank Him for that. Can I suggest that, that this morning, being devoted to prayer, what Paul calls us to is, it's more than ticking off a box saying, yeah, I prayed this morning. It's more than going to a prayer meeting. It's, it's more than that. It's, we, we need to be devoted to prayer like you're devoted to your kids or your spouse. There's, 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 I think what Paul is calling for is an emotional attachment to prayer. Uh, the, the sense of excitement that yeah, God is going to do amazing things. Yeah, God wants to save people. Yes, God is going to act. Um, Reg was speaking about uh, how many people we've got here. I can share with you that every now and again the Monday night Bible study takes a month or two and we say we're going to pray for five new families to come to our church. And you know, the amazing thing is that we prayed and a few months later five new families would arrive. And we've done it more than once. God answers prayers. We just we need to watch and when He answers we need to be thankful. Can you begin to imagine what our suburbs would look like if we were so passionate about loving Jesus that we devoted ourselves to praying for the people around us. Well, what, what would God do if, if we passionately prayed for the, the people living across the road? For the people going to the school and driving past us every week? I mean, would he bring 10,000 people into his kingdom? I don't know. God knows what, what he will do, but can I dare to lay down a challenge 
for myself and for yourself and for us as a church. Let's throw down the gauntlet and let's, let's commit ourselves for a month to actually do what Paul asks us to do. Let's devote ourselves to prayer. Let's, let's, let's get passionate about asking God to save the people next door to us and in our families and in our homes. Let's pray for God's kingdom to come in Golden Bay and in Singleton and Secret Harbour and, and wherever your suburb is that you live. And I reckon that in about a month's time we'll come together again and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll say, what has God done? Let me challenge you. I'm, I'm challenging myself there as well. And Paul goes on, of course, in verses 3 and 4, and, and he says, verse 2, you have to pray for your own situation, but, but verses 3 and 4, you need to pray for the gospel to spread no matter where that is. Pray for missionaries. In, in particular, verse 4 uh, says, Paul to the Colossians, pray for me. And I think what Paul would have us pray for missionaries far away is the same thing that he would have us pray for ourselves in our own suburbs. It says, Paul, pray that God would open a door for the message of the mystery of Jesus Christ. That God would open a door into communities and suburbs and countries and, and families and schools and, and homes and, and, and hearts. Pray that God would open up opportunities. And in particular, says Paul, pray for those with whom you have a link. I don't think we need to pray for Paul anymore. He's in a, he's in a brilliant place right now. But you know, the Colossian church had a, had a connection with Paul. They, they were linked through a whole bunch of people. Do you, did you notice all those names at the end of Colossians? Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Justus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Barnabas, Mark, Archippus, the Laodiceans, including Nympha and her church. All of these people that Paul lists and says, you guys know these people, I know these people, and by the way, some of them are going to come and they're going to tell you all the stuff that's happening over here where I am. Where there's a link... You can pray for that person all the better, can't you? I mean, as a church, we support our local chaplains. We support math. We support the Dawsons at WEC. We support Daniel and Katie in Bulgaria. We support Lucy. There's a new letter from Lucy, by the way. Uh, what, what a privilege that we can pray for these missionaries who are linked back into our own congregation. And what a responsibility. Do you know they need our prayers? When they're just feet on the ground, it's God who has to open the hearts and open the doors. It's God who, who sends His Word into people's lives. I guess for me it all comes back to one of my favourite incidents in the life of Jesus. And Anna Marie sort of mentioned it in passing in, in what she said this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, thereabouts. Jesus is 
is walking through the towns of Judea and he's preaching and he's, and he's healing and he's showing the kingdom of God and the good news. And, and Matthew 9, I think it's about verse 34, Jesus looks out over the people, over the towns and, and Matthew tells us that his heart burned for them. He had compassion for them. And he said to his disciples, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into this harvest field because the harvest is ripe. Because there is so much here that needs to hear about the good news. There are so many people who need to hear that God's kingdom has come in Jesus. says Jesus, pray that they would know about God's kingdom. But I love what happens next, the very next verse, chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord of the harvest, Jesus himself, says, his, says, says to his disciples, right, you, you, you and you, you're going to go out and you're going to do this. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send workers and there they are. You guys are going. And there's a similar incident in Luke chapter 9 where, where the same thing happens and, and the people come back. And they're just so excited and they say, Lord, we, we did all these things. We, 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 we cast out demons. We healed the sick. We, we, we told the good news of Jesus. Colossians 4.2, pray. Colossians 4.2, watch what God does. Colossians 4.2, give thanks for what God has done. And I like that incident because it links us to where Paul goes in verse 5. Um, in Matthew, the disciples were told to ask, God, ask for God to act and God acted using them. And can I suggest that if we devote ourselves to prayer, especially for prayer, that God's kingdom might come here in our suburbs, God will open doors. He will lay out opportunities before us. He will give us chances. He'll give us a whole stack of invitations. And we need to grasp those, you know. There is a sense of urgency. There's not unlimited time until Jesus comes back. There's not unlimited time for people to decide to follow Jesus. Uh, uh, from the children's story, the party is on Saturday. Jesus is coming back so soon. Grasp every opportunity, says Paul. We can take it too far though, can't we? There is nothing uglier than watching a Christian force feed faith down some poor victim's gullet. And I say that because usually it has the opposite effect. And I think that's why in the beginning of verse 5, Paul says to us, yeah, take every opportunity, but be wise. Be wise in how you act with outsiders, with non-Christians. And you're sitting here going, Nick, this is all very well, but look, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have the gift of talking to people 
and, and explaining the gospel and I can't go door knocking on my next door neighbor's door and say, have you heard the good news? Because that's not the gift that the Holy Spirit has given me. Be honest. I would say that. <laughs> and you'd be right. Uh, evangelism is a gift. Not all are called to be evangelists, as Paul says elsewhere. But God still opens opportunities in front of us. We can still respond to what God is doing around us. That's what verse 6 is all about. In our everyday talking and conversations, we can, we can season our language with grace. We, we can season our tongue with, with salt, says Paul. We can be ready to answer every question that comes up for us. Uh, there's some research from the Barna Group in 2002 that says that 87% of people reckon that the best word to describe Christianity is judgmental. And that makes me so sad. And I think Paul speaks against that in verse 6. Because we have news of grace and mercy and forgiveness. We, we have news of, 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 of such amazing grace to us. Our, our message is one of graciousness, not judgmentalism. I, I found a really good quote. I want to read it to you straight as it is. It says, When grace introduces us to repentance, the two of us become best of friends. When anything else introduces us to repentance, it feels like the warden has come to lock us up. But when Christ gets involved, the truths of repentance reveal a fabulous world of life-freeing beauty. It says Paul, be gracious in your speech. Be gracious in the way you interact with, with non-Christians. And season your conversation with salt. Um, which was slang. You didn't realize Paul used slang in the Bible, did you? This was a slang phrase from back then, which basically meant don't be boring. Season your conversation with salt. Give it a bit of a zing. Give it a bit of a sparkle. I mean, you know, the, the, the news about Jesus that we have received is exciting stuff. I'm not going to sit down and say, well, yeah, have you heard of the goodness of God? <laughs> Yeah, he could save you too. Yeah, righto. I mean, that's... says Paul, speak graciously and then throw a bit of that excitement about what God has done into your language, into your life, so that people can look at you and say, what on earth is this person excited for? Why on earth does this person behave in this different way? Why is his, why is his speech so gracious? And I think when we pray and when we, and when we speak graciously and we're excited about our faith, questions will come. 
I, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you questions will come. And says Paul, answer. That, that's all. Pray and be ready to answer questions. You don't have to go knock on your next door neighbour's door. You don't have to go and, um, I don't know, stand on a street corner with a sign saying, repent. Pray, be gracious. God does not wish for anyone to perish. He is good. He is our treasure. He is our life. He is our freedom. In Christ we have every single thing that we need. And that's not a treasure that you and I should or could hoard. Let's share it. Gospel needs to spread. Here's our challenge to pray. For us here, for the gospel around the world, to pray and to watch. And boy, we'll throw a party when God acts. Anna Marie.